0: grinders welcome to the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender ed blender hd you follow me there on twitter and this is the show where we go over yesterday's slate a bit uh, the, the chalk hit the chalk hit yesterday okay it's not not hard to review everyone that was popular probably did well yesterday so if you played anything different you lost okay so that, that that's gonna be the review we may talk about uh today's slate well we got 13 13 games 12 13 games coming up uh tonight we've got some weather stuff going on we'll see we'll see what's going on it's casual friday and that means you ask a casual question but that's kind of what you do every day here i see you in the youtube chat doug montgomery eric johnson suki Singh, rob f jerome lewis Janet lambert joe mack daniel hutchings rob f chandler cannon good morning good morning Hit that thumbs up button. Give me the dummy thumbs in the morning. Dummy thumbs, downy downs. You give me the da- you give me downs if you want it. I don't think it matters. I think you, who cares? I think you could just move your mouse around, pl- press on some stuff. I think that that helps us out. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. So feel free. Feel, just post post your questions, post your comments. What did you do yesterday in GPP's Uh so, yeah, the Blue Jays, the Astros, pretty much pretty much chalk and chalk, chalk, chalk hit, right? Right, but the, the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays didn't really hit, hit. Like, the stack really didn't get there, but they put up a lot of runs. The Astros got there. I mean, the Astros, obviously, once Alvarez hits that grand slam, it gets there. Miles Straw has a good game. Correa, they're, they're all in the high double digits, 20 points. Schwarber has two home runs. So the Nationals kind of, kind of get there, kind of more as a three man, not as a five man. The Pirates you needed Brian Reynolds, right? He got there, a bunch of them also. So there, there were multiple paths to win, uh, but he pretty much, I mean, at, at pitcher, uh, the chalk combination of Bueller Garcia was probably not the way to go. I mean, look at, look at this ownership. I mean, look at this, right? On DraftKings, I played four lineups. So I played I play three lineups into the $88 contest and the 121 single entry. And then on FanDuel, I played 150. I've been trying to do that more. Instead of just play, trying to do, like, large fields on both sites, like, it's like, okay, I could hand-build a couple of lineups in one place and then just do a full build the other place. So I played a lot of Anthony Kay. Uh, if, if you projected him to go over 80 pitches, he had one of the highest projections on the slate, and he was 4K. It was four thousand probably probably not as much of a play on Fanduel. You want guys that you 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 almost want you need a hundred pitchers. You need six innings right out of them, uh but uh but on DraftKings. But I mean, he got owned nineteen percent. But I, I was building a lot of lineups That was Garcia K and and Joe Ross K. To me, Joe I, I had a ton of Joe Ross on Fanduel because people didn't want to click. People don't want to click in the bat. He was projected as 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 high as Garcia and only like two points lower than Mueller, right? He, pre- he projected higher than Jose Barrios, higher than Nick Bavetta, but people don't want to play Joe Ross. It's against the Marlins at Miami. I'll, I'll People don't want to click on a name. I'll I'll click on a number. I just go by the projection. I can't just look at the projection and go, well, it's Joe Ross though. So I go, oh, that's what he projects for. I didn't think about playing Tony Santolin. I was playing mostly Braves against him. And Pavetta had a no-hitter going through, you know. I mean, they had a no-hitter with the, the relievers going through for a while. So I get it if you want to play Pavetta, I mean, and Carlos Martinez. Seems like a lot of sharper players played Carl, Carlos Martinez as an SP2 against the Pirates. I played some of him on FanDuel, right? Because he was cheap, cheap on FanDuel. Right? In draft DraftKings, I understand you need two pitchers, But Carlos Martinez wasn't as necessary on FanDuel, which means he'll be lower on. So obviously those lineups burned. Right? They didn't do anything. I had some. I'd like to, I think I at 10% or so. But I'm just I'm just surprised to see so many, so many sharper players over the field on Carlos Martinez. Do you want to play a chalky Carlos Martinez? I don't. I definitely don't. Seems like people people were going under on Luis Garcia against the Tigers more than and then going over on Carmart. Seems kind of odd. Well, I mean, I guess the difference in pricing, the difference in, in ownership. I guess I get it. Just play, play Pavetta And AM because all yeah, Pavetta 9,500. Maybe that's why it's like, at least Carlos Martinez was like what 6,500 on, on DraftKings. Anthony K was 4,000 play him. Just play him. He gets the Orioles, the hapless Orioles. That's what it seems like. Seems seemed like the trend was under on Garcia over on Carmart. So sharp players didn't do that well yesterday. That was the case. You Could even take take a look at the the bats, like just I I mean all I'm doing is pulling out like sharp player 150 sets, and I'm seeing for the most part less on the Blue Jays, a little a little bit on the a little bit under on the the Astros, and heavily on the 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 Braves, for their for for their for their uh, for their ownership, like the, the I know Acuna wasn't in the lineup, but the Braves shouldn't have been. They should have been as owned as, I mean, yeah, they were close. Yeah, maybe they were close. 14% for Swanson, 12% for Albies, 11% for Freeman. Riley was 10%. But it just seemed like everyone, I mean, but I did the same thing on FanDuel. The main stacks I played yesterday on FanDuel were the Braves, the Reds, the Astros, and the Dodgers. The Dodgers were dramatically under-owned across the board on both sides against Zach Davis, who have just managed to pitch seven no-hit innings or whatever. Six no-hit innings. The Dodgers had like a five, five and a half total. And if you take a look here, I mean, I mean, you have the, you see the Astros, you see the, you see the, you see the Twins even. Look, you see Arias here. You see, uh, uh, let's see. Okay, maybe not anyone else. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, Tyler O'Neill, the Cardinals were owned, which I I guess I get, right? The Nationals, okay. But where where do we see, where do we see, where's, I mean, Cody Bellinger was 4,300. Where's he? I have to scroll all the way down. Muncie, 7%. Muncie, 7%. Where's, I mean, I can't sort this by team. I wish I can. But look, like Trey Turner on the Nationals was 4%, 4.5%. Soto was 4.9%. I had a bunch of the Nationals. But Mookie Betts, 4%. There you go. There's 4% Mookie Betts. Where's Bellinger? Bellinger was 9%. Okay. But in comparison to some of these other guys, I mean, Kyle Tucker was 20%. Wanda Franco was still owned. And he, he was 3,800. All right, how many people played him the discrepancy in ownership I just when I saw the ownership of the Dodgers I mean obviously the slate was over by that time but the time the Dodgers game started it's like I uh, well I don't have Astros, I don't have Vlad I don't have Schwarber, I don't have Brian Reynolds or something I mean I, I'm, I don't the lineup doesn't have Joe Ross and Anthony K. You're, you're dead so it doesn't even matter at that point but for the total just the Dodgers were way under owned I think if you I think if you played Dodgers lineups yesterday you were, you were fine. Same for the Braves. Same for the Reds. The ownership was much more dramatic on FanDuel, by the way. Like here, it doesn't seem that bad. Like the highest owned batter was 20%. Vlad Guerrero was 33% owned in GPPs on FanDuel. 33, he was in a third of the lineups on FanDuel. Jordan Alvarez was like 27% owned on FanDuel. He was 17 here. So it's like have like... That's why I' like, not playing as much Blue Jays, right? You had uh, Teoscar was and Grichuk, heavily owned. The Astros were actually slightly like other than Tucker and Alvarez, they're a bit under owned. I mean, we're officially owned, I guess. Like the guys like Correa and Toro and Straw and those and whatever, you know, Guriel. They were they were more manageable ownership. But Vlad, Vlad, you know, I mean, Vlad hits a home run and he's on FanDuel for. You know, 33, 34% owned. Yeah, I'll be I'll be under that. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna have as much uh, Blue Jays. Yeah, Shannon Lambert's talking about today. Matt Harvey against the Blue Jays. Yeah, that they're, they're gonna be owned again, right? The Jays, but it's a 13-game slate, remember. So if they have this this amount of ownership on a 13-game slate, I have no problem not playing them. No problem, fine if they get uh, fine. If they, they, they get 15 runs, then 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 I lose. That's it. On to the next day. Do 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 do. People are talking amongst themselves. Shannon Lampert says Astros against Willie Peralta, Jays against Harvey, and Padres against Corbin Martin. Wow, there's some major chalk spots tonight. We'll we'll see. Obviously, we're done with talking about yesterday's slate. (laughs) Look at today's slate. Let me pull up FanDuel as well. Take a look at the picture. I mean, Carlos Rodon is going to be the stone. I mean, come on. Right now, he projects six points higher than the next pitcher. Right, Rodon Paddock, Rodon and, and Paddock are going to be the combination. Right, you can see right here on DraftKings, on FanDuel. I mean, it's still going to be Rodon, right? Right, look, he projects almost, almost ten points higher than the next pitcher in raw points against Seattle. He's going to be super duper chalk, right? Because it's not that great of a, it's not that great of a pitching slate, it isn't really isn't and let's take a look at the weather we got some weather issues pittsburgh at st louis seems like that's the biggest trouble game good right i don't have to play these teams fine with me it's fine with me let's see atlanta at cincinnati okay that may be a game so let's take a look at the stack projections this is on DraftKings. As of right now. So we have the Braves with the highest. Okay, the Braves. The Braves against Vladimir Gutierrez in Cincinnati. I mean the Pirates project point per dollar wise, but they're cheap. The Cardinals, yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh at uh, St. Louis on DraftKings, at least. That's gonna be the those are gonna be the cheapy cheeps. Cleveland Indians against Danny Columba. I don't even know who that guy is. Who's Danny Columba? Colombe? Col- Col- Colombe? I have no idea. I mean, look at the pictures on this slate Jake Arrieta against the Dodgers, Martin Perez against the Yankees, Will Crow. Ugh. We have some decent ones. I mean, but I mean, like guys like Fraber Valdez and Mike Minor and Chris Paddock, Sean Benaya, like they're not guys that you want to like rely on. Like they're okay, okay. Oh, they're, they're okay. Oh, no, I'm all in on one of those guys. Nah, nah I don't trust them either. Uncrabby cabby. Been working on my 150 max play mostly in FanDuel. No matter what settings and exposures I set, my lineups continue to clump and never get deep enough into the green. I don't, I don't depends what you mean by clump. I don't know. I mean that that's way too broad, vague. There could be a million reasons why why they well they would clump together if you if you're not using enough unique players, you're going to get a very very little diversity. You need know, unique players. One, you're just going to get a lot of the same lineups that look the same, except for one person being different and the highest projected ones of those. So just, you could have 150 lineups and hundred lineups may look like almost the same, the same two teams together. Clint Friday, Jordan, when you want to go over the field on a player, what amount are you happy with? One X two X, not, none of those. Clint, I don't can't. I don't, I don't view any, anything by terms of over or under the field. I can view an entire 150 set by that to describe. It's a descriptive term. Anytime someone says they're over the field or under the field, that's not a strategy. That's just des- that's a descriptive term to describe what their lineups look, what more of their lineups look like compared to other lineups. I don't look at I don't look at a picture and go, I want to be, oh, he's gonna be tw- 10% owned, he's gonna be third, I want 30% of them. Well, if they're in bad lineups, then who cares how how over or under the field you are? There are plenty of there are plenty of lineups on Fanduel yesterday. I know Vlad Guerrero was 33% owned. I still had pl- I still plenty. I didn't ha- didn't have as much of th- as that. But where he fit, I put him. He, he's the highest projected guy in that spot. So if I'm playing if I'm playing a Pittsburgh, if I'm playing a Pirate stack with Joe Ross at 11% owned on Fanduel. I want Vlad Guerrero. I want the highest projected guy in my utility spot or whatever, whatever spot he's in. And if that so happens to be that I end up with 20% Vlad Guerrero because he fits those lineups and I'm playing a bunch of those lineups, then that's the way it is. If he happens to be in 40%, then he's in 40%. Wouldn't I want the highest rejected guy in an already leveraged lineup? Yes. So have the more of those types of lineups that I'm making, if I'm making contrarian stacks the more i'm going to get you know shock, tucker alvarez guerrero i had plenty of tucker alvarez and guerrero on 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 FanDuel. didn't have as many blue jay stacks but i'm making i'm making these i'm making nationals pirates lineups and i need a utility guy or catcher first base there there they go there's Vlad guerrero there's jordan alvarez Since I'm making more of them, I'm making Braves. I'm making Braves Nationals lineups. So I have Freeman in one spot and then others. Okay, then maybe Vlad fits in the utilities. Okay. I already have enough leverage. I already have enough ownership discount. So I don't care about playing a 33% owned Vlad Guerrero. So that's why you can't think in terms of how much over or under you are. All that is a descriptive term. Because you could be over and oh, I'm going to be over this and under that and whatever, and you, you put all your exposures and you build 150 lineups and they're all horrible. Or there are a lot of them that are they're horrible. Right? Yes, yes. You have 30 percent. You're 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 way under on Vlad Guerrero, but the lineups that Vlad Guerrero are in are chalk Blue Jay stacks with Walker Bueller. Like you shouldn't be playing those lineups. You want Vlad Guerrero to be in those contrarian lines. You want your Alvarez to be either in an Astro stack or with contrarian lineups. So you don't care, don't worry about 1X, 2X, 3X. That, that doesn't matter. You I could look at people's people's lineups. You give me a 150 set. I could throw it in and look and go like, okay, great. You, you had you had 5% of this guy, but then really bad lineups. So who cares? If you were over or under it. That, that doesn't matter. You shouldn't be starting from that. Anytime that uh, a sharper player says over or under, they're talking about describing their line of portfolio, not a strategy. Do, 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 do. Rob F., what's a good resource to look at for determining a pitcher's strength and history versus right or left-handed batters? Uh, I don't know why you would. Anything that you'd be looking at is already factored into, into a good projection model. I guess baseball savant. I don't know. Plate IQ? Does that have it? I don't. I don't look at any of that. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Literally, I look at no baseball stats whatsoever. I mean, I couldn't tell you anyone's. Oh, I mean, I, obviously, Pete, you played DFS every day. You know what, what teams and players are kind of doing well. But I couldn't tell you like the stats of you know, how many this and that and RBIs and OPSs, and I have no idea. Jim Steele, hey, Blender, do you start with stacker pitchers? What's more important to you? Or does the ownership dictate? I don't start with either of them. I play lineups. Until you understand, until, until you get to the point where you understand that it's lineups, not players, I'm sorry. I can't help you. I don't start with anything. I literally do not start with anything. I look at lineups. I'm looking at, what, 10 players at once in a lineup. It has to satisfy a high enough projection and a low enough ownership. And the, that, those numbers, that range that you're looking for is dependent on the contest that you're playing. You have to think in terms this is this. Is, all this is is a math problem. Names don't matter. Teams don't matter. None of it matters. No, I don't look at any baseball stats. I barely watch the games. I don't know what half these players look like. All it is is one, one big math problem. So you take a look at DraftKings. Take a look at FanDuel's fan a little bit easier because you got the one pitcher. Okay, for you to not play Rodon in your lineup, you're going to be giving up like nine points in projection. I don't know what the ownerships going to be, the difference. Can you build Chris Paddock lineups that project with the batters because you're going to save money that equal Carlos Rodon? Can you? I don't know. We'll see. Put it to unique players. One, give me, give me, give me 50 lineups. All right, can be 50, whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. So we're gonna run. I'm gonna lock in Rodon. Okay, we're not gonna, we're not, I'm not even gonna care about stacks at this point. Just just whatever. Let me let me run 20 lineups. There you go. So running 20 lineups on FanDuel with Carlos Rodon. Okay. Got 150, 150.67. Got the Braves. Ends up being a Braves 4, man, but whatever. Okay. So now I'm going to go back. I'm going to run it with Paddock. which is the next highest projected pitcher. All these other pitchers are going to be way lower. I'm going to 20. Okay, just whatever. Paddock, 148. Okay? So look. Even though you're giving up a lot of projection and pitcher, that extra money that you have actually makes some of these Paddock lineups Right, you see here, the best Rodon lineup, 151.67. The 20th Rodon lineup is 150.33. The best Paddock lineup is 148.76. Right? Let's go all the way down here. There's just one unique player, whatever. So the difference in the price, Rodon and Paddock, the difference in price is what? 2,700. That extra twenty, and, and it's a gap of about. This is almost. This is nine and a half points. You could find batters enough playing paddock that you could make that gap in median to be what somewhere with two, two, two and a half. You could you could eat up, you could lop off seven points from that discrepancy with bats. Okay, and remember in baseball, like on, on FanDuel, one swing of the bat could be 18 points, right, for a home run. But still, like three points is is what? Is a hit, a run, a walk. Okay, so the differences between these paddock lineups and these Rodon lineups are what? A, a run, a walk, a hit, an RBI? I mean, like not that much, not dramatically different. So if you see that these Rodon lineups are... Ownership sum, let's say 180. And these lineups have ownership sum 120. Like th- th- these are obviously going to be better. You're dropping three points and gaining 60 points in ownership. Like, okay, if, the, if, the, if that's the case, I'm making it up. We don't have ownership, projected ownership going right now. But that's the concept. I'm looking at line. I'm, and then you play the lineup. Oh, look at this lineup. <laughs> Paddock. Three-man Cincinnati, four-man Braves, and Teoscar Hernandez. Okay. Does that satisfy the projection and ownership that I want in the contest that I'm playing? Okay, then play that. Oh, how about this lineup? Oh, okay. With the Aristides again? Oh, it's almost the same lineup. Oh, okay. Which one do you want to play? Close your eyes and pick. You're just looking at lineups. If you want to make sure it's a 4-4 or a 4-3 or you know something like that, yeah, sure, put it in. I didn't even do that. The Braves are just underpriced on, on FanDuel today, which means they'll be popular. All right, you take a look at this. It's a lot of four-man Braves stacks. Here's a here's a 4-4. Here's where you go. 4-4. 148.17. Paddock, four-man braves, four-man. Dad, what's wrong with this? This is easily, this is a single. You could you can play this in the monster or something on FanDuel. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the Braves are going to be really chalky on FanDuel. Right, you got a keynote if he's in. I mean, assuming these guys are in. Like, this is a single, this is it. I mean, you can probably play in a large field. I don't know what the ownership is going to be of this. But this seems like if you want to play this in a small field GPP, this is perfectly fine. There you go, done. So what am I starting with? I'm not starting from anything. I'm looking at, oh, this, oh, there you go. Here's a lineup. And I manually put it in, right? <laughs> there you go. You're done. Like, oh, I could play, Rob oh, and just run some stacks and you see you see what lineup you like. And there you go, play that lineup. Not that complicated. And if you're doing it manually, if you're like, oh, I want to pull up, plug these guys in, you have to think of the lineup as a whole. So yes, you may be tapping in the outfield spot and the pitcher spot, whatever, but you have, you have to view the lineup as a whole. I'm not going to start with something and then go, I'm stuck. I need a $2,800 outfielder. Like, no, you shouldn't have thought of that beforehand. You need to visualize this before you do anything. Chandler Cannon says, you weren't kidding, Blender. Once you get it, there are a lot of stupid questions. That's what I say. That's what uh, everyone gets there. Everyone gets there at a certain point. That's why if if you take, you take the theory of daily fantasy sports, 15 hour audio masterclass. Once you get it, this came out almost a year ago, okay. And I've been doing shows. I've been saying these concepts for God knows how long. Even the people that that were stubborn and say, "No, I know. I I need the picks, I need the. I need to look at this. And I need to that fought me. Fought the math in general. Once that once they got it, you get to a point. Once it clicks, you get to a point of getting it. You start seeing how how like ninety five percent of questions in, in, that people ask in DFS are stupid. They they literally they literally are like I don't understand why you why you can't see how stupid that sounds. It's weird. It's weird to say. Like once you get it, the questions are just are like how are these people this dumb? But they don't get it yet. Say, so look, well, here's another one. Matt Stash, Blender, when stacking, how much do you try to avoid batters all over the batting order? I don't even care about the batting order. The batting order, okay, from a projection standpoint, like if we go, if we go, let's let's go to let's go to FanDuel, right? We'll go, we'll we'll go to a lineup, right? We'll go to Houston today, right? Hitter or whatever, Houston. Let's go to right. You see how the projections are lower for the guys at the bottom of the order? Number one. They're typically worse hitters. And also they have they have less of a plate appearance expectation. Okay? Because they bat lower in the order. If Otuve has five at bats, Maldonado may only have four at bats, right? Because they ninth inning. Oh, okay, here they go, right? That's already factored in. Typically, one spot in the order is 0.2 in plate appearance expectation. Okay? So you have to figure. That five spots in the order is like one at bat. So now you understand why the projections look the way they do. Like if Miles Straw was guaranteed to get the same at bats as, as Michael Brantley, Miles Straw may not have an 11.22. He may end up with a 10.5 projection. If he was guaranteed to get the same amount of at bats as, as Michael Brantley, because he's one, two, three, four, five, six spots. That's like one, 1.2 plate appearances. Just unless, in baseball, you, you need to be at bat in order to score, right? So the players at the bottom of the order already are projected lower based on plate appearances, okay? And the correlation, the correlation between all batters on the same team is higher than any individual batter between them, okay? This is very important. If you were to run an analysis on the past, God knows how long, 10 years, who knows? Most people are like, oh, one to what, Altuve gets on base and then Brantley hits him in and Guriel then gets a double and then uh, Alvarez hits home run, right? Like, oh, and they're on base and you get those points and whatever. That is true. That's absolutely true. The correlation between the first hitter and the second hitter is like this. It, It exists. But there's more of a correlation in overall amongst a nine-inning game, amongst 27 outs. There's more of a correlation between Brantley and Toro than there is in one inning between Brantley and Gurria. Okay? This is very important. So people are like, oh, I need to stack one, two, three, four. Or I can't do one, three, four, six, eight. Why can't you? There's still a, every batter on this team is correlated to one another, all of them. And the correlation of them as a team, as a team in an entire game is higher than that of one, because you're only doing one, two, because it's like, well, this guy gets on base and that guy hits a home run type of thing. We've seen plenty of times, right? This guy gets on base. This guy hits a, gets a walk. Guriel strikes out. Alvarez gets a double and Correa Correa hits a home run, and you're sitting there, and you're like, "Gurriel has nothing," right? And then the next inning comes up, and Kyle Tucker hits a solo shot. Toro strikes out, and Miles Straug gets on base. Maldonado strikes out, and then Altuve hits a home run. And you're sitting there, and you go through the entire order, and it's like, "Wow, I have a five-man Astro stack, and Yuli Gurriel has three points, even though the Astros put up 16 runs." The whole team is correlated to one another, so I don't care. And the and the the order. The batting's oh, I like guys in the top of the order because they'll they'll most likely get more at bats. Well, it's already factored in the projection, right? Obviously, one, two, three, four, five on on the on the Astros projects more or more points, right? Of course. It's very rare that the guys at the bottom of the order actually project better than the guys toward in the middle of the order, just based on based on plate appearances. So when I'm when I'm building, I'm just playing teams. So I don't care. I play lineups all the time that are one, three, five, seven, nine, who cares if it fits the right positions and the right salaries and with the other team and I'm stacking four, three, something or whatever, and then, okay, then that's the way it is. I don't, I don't even look at it at all. What I may do though, is make sure that the lower projected players or the bottom order hitters only appear in stacks unless they have power. So for instance, if this is the lineup, most likely on FanDuel especially, on FanDuel like Maldonado, I'm not a big fan of playing as a solo catcher in the catcher first base spot. Like I may do this. Toro, Straw, and Maldonado. Only in stacks. Like I may do that. So I don't get a one-off Straw. Either you look by projection or like home run probability. Like look, Straw is plus one, 10, 83 to hit a home run. For Straw to get 20 plus points, it's going to be because he's driving people in and the Astros are doing well. So likelihood, of if he if he has a lot of points, the Astros stack probably did well also. So having him as a one-off seems stupid. You'd rather have the Astros stack. So you leave them only in stacks. That's the only thing that I do. But out the batting order, I don't care. Oh, you're four, five, six, seven. I, I But you can't do three, four. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I do not think of it at all. But Matt stash, yes. does it significantly decrease the correlation? No, I think I, I hope I answered that question. There is a correlation. I'm not saying there is none. I'm just saying it's more important for you to have four on four or five guys from the same team than worry about what spots in the order. You no know, the gaps between them. It, it doesn't matter to me. Yes, if I could get them closer, sure, that'd be better. I'm not going to sacrifice and I'm not, it's, 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 it's the seventh thing. It's the, it's whatever. I don't care. Enough <laughs> that, that it matters. And Daria Rosenstock has a, has a has a, a perfect point, but sequentially ordered batters show a stronger correlation on the ownership within a stack. That's absolutely true. You see this every slate. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. This is, this is, this is why, we, this is why we have an edge. We saw last night, we saw this, we saw this last night on FanDuel, okay? I mean, it, it, it happens every night. It happens every day in, in MLB. Yesterday, here, I'm going to bring up the the Blue Jays lineup. Of course, Springer wasn't in yesterday. But yesterday, on, on FanDuel, Guerrero was 33% owned. I think Teoscar was in the 20s. Semyon was high-owned, like people are playing in Grichuk, right? So they're playing like Semyon, Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez, Grichuk, you know, some Biggio, even though he's a little overpriced on FanDuel. Guriel hit a grand slam. He was 5% owned on FanDuel. In the large field GPP, he was 5.2% owned. The Blue Jays were the chalkiest stack. Yet Guriel is only 5% owned. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Take a look at results DB. Okay, we're going to take a look at we'll take a look at, take a look at the Blue Jays here. Lourdes Gurriel was 4.8 percent owned. Okay, take a look at all the other Blue Jays: Guerrero 18 percent, Teoscar, 12 percent, Bichette 11 percent. Right. We got more of them. Kevin Biggio, 7%. I mean, Guriel was one of the lower owned because because he was batting what? Seventh? It's not like he doesn't have power, right? Is there that big of a difference between Grichuk and Guriel? Other than a batting and then two spots in the batting order? Not much. Right? But you'll see those bottom, those bottom hitters, they'll drop off. It'll drop off like a cliff in ownership. Because people are like, no, I, I I'm gonna play one, two, three, four. Or one, two, three, three, five, or two, three, four, five. I mean, and they look at the bottom of the order and they go, "I can't play the ninth hitter." Like, dude, my lineup's on on on, on DraftKings. I played Martin Maldonado; it was cheap, but he's batting ninth. Who cares? Playing Jordan Alvarez. my, my Astro stacks were mostly like Toro, Maldonado, Correa, Alvarez, Tucker, and whatever, something like that. It's like, well, that doesn't go together. Why not? They're all on the same team. I was using the Astros stack in the, the the weaker positions. Catcher was a wasteland yesterday. So why not use Maldonado there? Who cares that it bats ninth? Who cares that, well, that means you have to play Robo Garcia because he bats eighth. No, it doesn't mean anything. That's how you get, that's how you get Gurriel hitting a grand slam and people bet you... What ends up happening is oh I I I, I play blue jay stacks, but no Guriel. Yeah, like most of the field. So why don't you just why don't you play the stacks with, with that? And when I played chalk stacks, typically that's how I play them. There's too many people are gonna play one, two, three, four. It's like, okay, let me throw a throw this guy, throw it to Oscar and put in Guriel instead. Now the ownership of the entire stack goes way down. Play more of those lines. If you're gonna play Blue Jay stacks, play those lineups, so play Astro stacks. Play, you know, take out Alvarez and throw in, throw in whoever at the, the towards the bottom of the order. Dupocalypse says lineups, not players, is much more difficult than it sounds. If you don't understand the shift necessary from intuition to mathematics, right? You have to think much more holistically about about things. you have to think non-linearly. That's how I put it. It's a non-linear type of thinking. Oh, I do this and then I do this and then I did. You can't think that way. You have to be able to think of like five things at once and then see it like as a whole. Once you could do that, then I mean, that's, I mean, that's, t- that's how computer programmers think. Alex Sant even says, when I started the shift from cash to tournaments, I tried lineup trains with low gaps and I couldn't build lineups. Didn't take long to recognize by looking at the best players lineups. It didn't matter. Right. Right. I play raise stacks, right. You play, oh, I'm going to play the raise today. It's like, okay, well, I have a bunch of Brett Phillips. Yeah, but he's batting eighth. Who cares? He's cheap. He makes the stack work, right? And then you're able to get the three-man of like the expense of Freeman, Acuna, and Albies. And oh, okay, now, okay. I'd rather that than, than care about, no, I got to play Andy Diaz at my third base spot for no reason because he's batting third. Who cares? <sighs> Let's see. Anything else? posted in the youtube chat these are good conversations right i'm trying to teach i mean i'm saying that some of these questions are stupid but i'm explaining why not like just dismissing it that's why I lo- and now you understand why i just look at i look at teams right i look at stack projections right i don't even look at the players i mean i'll have to look at the players when i see their ownership but i'm looking at like the ceiling now i know that the point per dollar is right here so like i know like the Pirates and the Cardinals, a little, I guess. but The Braves are going to be up here. Let's go to FanDuel. So look at FanDuel, the pricing, and obviously everything is different. Go by ceiling. It's like Braves, Reds, Blue Jays. Then I look down here and I go, So am, am I going to be playing the Giants against Minaya? Probably not. I mean, the projection is just 25 points lower than everyone, all, all these other teams. I'll have to see what their ownership. If they're gonna, if I'm going to be the only one that owns the Giants, sure, maybe I'll take a shot on a lineup with the Giants. Maybe one off. So who knows? That's why I just look at the team, team level, team wide. The Braves go off, right? But I mean, so you have Enciarte or something. I mean, doesn't mean you have to play one, two, three, four. Most likely you're playing Acuna and Freeman or something in this, but it doesn't mean you have to play Dansby Swanson. doesn't even mean you have to play Acuna. We've seen the Braves go off for eight runs and Acuna sitting there with 0 for 4 or something. Yeah, that could happen. So that's why I look at team. I like, what teams do I want to play? Then once I get, if I'm building 20 lineups of a certain team, maybe I don't want 20 of the same four guys. I want a nice diverse combination. Does it may, mean I play all of the bottom of the order? No. Maybe if, uh, if I'm playing, for instance, where we looked at the, what, the Braves? on FanDuel, especially if they're going to be chalky. On, on FanDuel, why not play William Contreras? Because a lot of people don't like playing the catcher in the in the catcher first base spot on, on FanDuel. <coughs> why not play Contreras instead of Freeman? So you play Acuna, Albies, Almonte, Riley, Contreras. Or you play Freeman, you don't play Almonte, you play Enciarte in that spot. But he projects lower. Oh, well, yeah, but he's also going to be lower-owned. Right. So, but most people are going to be like, I'm just going to play one, two, three, four, five. Right. I mean, they're going to do some combination up here. Got to play Acuna. got to play Freeman. Albies in the second base spot. Maybe they skip Almonte, but they're going to play Swansea or Riley or whatever. I mean, that's what a lot of brave stacks are going to look like. They're the highest rejected players. I mean, <laughs> look at Acuna, Freeman, Albies and Riley are the highest rejected ones. Right. But if the team does well, William Contreras could have a home run. I mean, he could have five RBIs. Who knows? Walk, 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 base hit, whatever. And next thing you know, Ender and, and NCR Day is up with the bases loaded. It's like, oh, I stacked the, the Braves, but not Arte. And you're sitting there. NCR Day is 2.2% owned when everyone else on the Braves is 18 to 20% owned. Because people are like, oh, how have you play that guy? Well, play him. Dario Rosensack. this may not be the correct forum, but I've been sort of curious lately about how people simulate outcomes. Do people use a Monte Carlo type simulation? Yes. That's, I mean, that. what other way would you be doing it? I mean, I guess some people could simulate the actual games. You have to use Monte Carlo, but that has to be, there has to be some type of correlation coefficient between the players as well. I mean, you could still, you could do a Monte Carlo with just individual players. It just wouldn't be as accurate. The difference being is that... You, Typically, if Acuna does well, it's not you can't simulate Acuna's outcome and then Freeman's outcome be completely unrelated to that. Now, obviously, they're going to be correlated in some way. So you could Monte Carlo each individual player and do something like that, but it's not going to be nearly as accurate as simulating the teams. So if the team does well, obviously it raises the projection of everyone on the team. So they have to be depending on the coefficient that they're, you know, that they're correlated to each other. That, that, that would be a simulation, yes. Mike Gray, when trying to leverage off chalky pitchers, how far do you go using batters versus these pitchers? Full stack or cheap one-offs to maximize leverage? I use whatever the lineups. Remember, I don't look at players. I look at lineups. Can I, build, can I build a lineup that leverages off that chalky pitcher that uses five guys on DraftKings and three of whatever and two pitchers that projects high enough with low enough ownership? If the answer is no, or there aren't many of them, then maybe I don't. If there are, then I do. It depends on the lineup. I don't go out of my way to like, oh, this, this guy's going to be, Chris Paddock is going to be chalk today, right? He's going to probably be a chalk SB2 on, 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 on DraftKings. Right, he's facing Arizona. Okay? Where's Arizona? What do they look like? 2.95. To, uh, they have one of the lowest totals. Look at these projections. How are you going to build a lineup with a good enough projection with a five man stack of the, I mean, yes, I know you're getting extra uh, relative value, but like to me at this projection at these, look, look how low, no one's above, you're not even hitting seven on DraftKings for any batter. Paddock would have to be like 60% owned for me to like, for the relative value for me to to even work white. Can you play like a three man at one off? Yeah, I guess so. I don't see a five man stack. If you build a five man stack with, 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 I mean, what do these lineups look like? The projection is gonna be ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the ownership is gonna go down. But it may go, it may be too far of a projection change. So, well, that's what, that's what, and, but that's what you get, that's what you're gauging. Now, if Paddock's only gonna be 20% owned, then it's not even worth it. But if Paddock's gonna be 60% owned, then these numbers kind of go up because they're negatively correlated with Paddock. So yes, these are the medians, but they're ceiling outcomes, are directly, affect, direct, directly negatively correlated to Paddock's ceiling. So the higher owned that Paddock gets, the more worthwhile it would be, the more boost that the projections for the, the Diamondbacks would get. Because if Paddock gets rocked, you're killing 60% of the lineups as your, lineups, as your Diamondback stacks go up. But if Paddock's going to be 10% owned, you're only going to be doing that to 10% of the field. So it wouldn't be worth it, probably at these projection levels dfs degenerate when do you know to switch up your process last night i was in the four dollar 20 max i was on the dodgers cardinals uh reds atlanta each which is what most sharp players did didn't come close to cashing oh, i don't, you don't have which you shouldn't care about they projected really well for low owned yeah okay so what's wrong with that when do you know how to switch up your process i don't know probably 500 to a thousand slates i'm, I'm, I'm serious i'm and you go 500 to a thousand slates. That's like years. That's right. <laughs> that's right. The way that I judge primarily on my process is in roto tracker. My aim in GPPs is to get to the top, is to get 1% lineups, okay? From there, that's it's all variance. My goal is to, I, I want first place equity. I want, I want my lineups to get towards the top. I don't care about cashing so if I look at one percent lineups I want more than my fair share so this is this is this is what my current this lifetime finishing precision one percent I'm getting 1.8 percent of my lineups in the top one percent that's over that's more than my fair share 1.2 percent would be like the rake if you get 1.2 percent you're like break even probably so if you're getting more than your fair share of lineups in the top 1%, then your your process is fine. Your process is good. And the higher this goes, the more unlucky you've been. Right? And the lower this goes with you hitting a GDP, is the more lucky you you have been. So if you if you if you've only placed in the top 1% 0.8% of lineups and you've won two of them, you've gotten really lucky. You've gotten really lucky. But I know some people that, you know, over the course of a season, in the top 1% are placing like 2.83% in the top 1% and haven't won one. Third, fifth, eighth, twelfth, you know, stuff like that. That's just on, that's, that's, you're on the wrong side of areas. But they're not going to change their process. That's That's the whole goal is to get your lineups up there. So that's how I, that's how I judge my GPP play. How many lineups am I getting towards the top? In the top, I don't care about the middle. I don't care about nineteen twenty. These 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 all over here, the cash line type of stuff. I don't. Who cares? I care about the top over here. So you can go through. We could even look at like entry date. Let's let's go to my. This is I updated this a couple of days ago, I believe. Uh, let's go to MLB season. This MLB season. Okay, all right. This MLB season. I've been complaining about steak knives, right? You hear me talking about I'm getting up there, but just getting the steak knives. Well, there you go. This is what it's showing. Top 1%, I'm getting 2% of my, I'm getting twice as many lineups that, of my fair share up there. I came in second once and I have a bunch of eighths and tenths and sevenths and elevenths. I have so many. I probably, I think I have like 10 or 11 in the top like 20 of large field GPPs, one second. And then like everything else is kind of like in that seven to 15 range. So It's like, I've been, the process is good. I'm getting unlucky. I'm just like, I'm just not getting all the way up there. I'm getting all the way up there, but just the payout structure between first and 10th is ginormous. That's why I like flatter payout structures. So this is how I would judge. So if you get RotoTracker and you look like this, you could probably do this in Excel. It's probably a little bit harder to do in Excel. But you go through. because this is my tw- MLB 2021 so far. Like yeah, okay. I'm getting I'm getting plenty up there. Just not just not getting there all the way. Right. If you take a look at my profit, look, I'm getting two percent of my lineups up there, and look, I'm I'm down. I'm actually down in G, in, in in MLB. Right. I mean, look at this graph. That, and that's what getting twice my fair share, right? I just because I haven't won. If all one of those turned into thirty thousand instead of five hundred, my graph would be insane. That that's GPP. I mean, that's that's the re, that's the sad reality of GPP play. <coughs> one bink makes your whole year, and that's what you're aiming for. The difference between second and first, like I came in 10,000, right? That's what this one big line is, right? Going from 7,000 up to uh, 4,000 over here, right? Like that's how big of a spike. But imagine if that spike instead of was 10,000, was 25,000. If I scored a couple of more points that day, it would have been, oh, well, gone, right? Wildly, right? The difference of a couple of points. Came in second, you know, seventh on a day. Instead of, you know, this is like a seventh place finish right here. Like, right? It came in like a 1200 or something like that on this day, whatever this line is, right? Imagine I came in first, it would have been done. I mean, that's a difference, like six points. So that's how I judge. Because your goal in GPPs is to get lineups in the top 1%, top half a percent, top 0.1%. So if you're doing that and just not winning, then what else are you supposed to do? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. That's... There you go. But if you see that if your if your graph your finish precision graph, let me go to the one percent buckets. Looks more like flat, right across over here. You know, maybe a little dips and up over here. Then then you're then you're whatever you're doing, you're not playing well enough. You're either playing if the more also the more that you see in this range, this min cash range, if you if you see a line that is low here. But more belt curvy, that means you're playing too safe. Okay, so like in this min cash, in, truthfully, in this min cash range, you should probably be under. Right, this should look more like a reverse. You should actually probably have some line more lineups that are above over here. Just that some of these con, these large field contests, it's almost impossible to come in this low. There are so many bad lineups. But if you see a lot, oh, I'm I, I I've if these bars are up here in the 2016 to 30 28% range, that means you you're you're not you're playing lineups that have high projections and no leverage. So you're min-cashing a lot of your lineups, but you're not getting enough in the top 1%. So that's that to me this is how you judge. More so than like your your results, than your the raw money or the ROI number. Obviously, you need a large enough sample size for this. Yeah, after a week, like a, a week, that's nothing. Grimble, with projections updating every five minutes in the bat, how close to lock should I feel comfortable submitting my lineups? Half an hour? What is? What else is going to change? Once the lineups are in, that's all that really matters. It's the same pitcher. Occasionally, the umpire will change, but I don't think that it'll matter that much. So no, I, I t- I'm typically building. I'm typically building my lineups. You know, half an hour before locked putting stuff together an hour before locked i mean once this what's once starting line i mean it's sometimes the angels lineup isn't in sometimes the dodgers lineup isn't in sometimes you just have to guess and prepare to late swap right because there's going to be a difference right is chris taylor batting second or is he batting seventh because that's obviously going to change his projection a little bit obviously it depends on who's in the lineup right obviously zach mckinstreet's leading off out of nowhere like, okay and he's 2200 Okay, well, that's going to change things. Once all the lineups are in, pretty much, you're, you're good. You're fine. Jenna Sandy, in the $12 single entry on DK, considered a large field GPP. No. Large field GPPs are thousands upon thousands. You just pay a little money you had 50, at 50000 a first. You should approach that contest as a $12 single entry GPP. Meaning that there's a certain ownership and certain projection that you that you you should be aiming to hit for that specific contest. But to, uh, uh, if if a contest with 1,900 entries is different than a contest with 1,600 entries, it's different than a contest with 1,300 entries. Different than a contest with 1,285 entries. Okay, don't make these arbitrary lines. Oh, 5,000 or more. So you're telling me a 4,999 entry contest is not large field. I mean, it's, it's math. Don't worry about that. Is it considered? Who cares what it's considered? The ownership in a $12 single entry DK, GVP is going to be different than the large field. It's going to be different than that backflip. The ownership in the 121 single entry is going to be different than the $12 single entry. The ownership in the $3000 thunderdome is going to be different than the $5 single. They're all different contests. We take a look at results DB all the time. If you go here, let me go to the con- what contests they ran yesterday. Right. Let's just go through I mean just whatever. I could type in anything. Right. Let's take a look at- get rid of the double up. Here's the four seamer The bat flip, the medium eights, the the home run king. Look, there's different ownerships. Dansby Swanson was more owned in the home run king than he was in the four-seamer. So he was the chalk. He wasn't the chalk here. Brantley was lower. Look, Brantley was lower owned in the home run king. So Brantley's a better play in this contest than he was in that contest and vice versa for other people, right? They're all different contests in different sizes and different ownerships. Tyler O'Neill is 9% here and 13% there. Is he worth playing at 9% versus 13%? There, there's going to be a difference. Tyler O'Neill is a better play when he's lower owned, obviously. So yeah, so if he's going to be higher owned here, that becomes, he becomes less and less plus EV. So that's why you have to judge the contest that you play. And obviously single entry contests, three max contests, smaller field contests, tend, the chalk tends to be chalkier because people play too safe. I only have one entry. I have to play the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays will be more owned, or the Astros will be more owned, which then means that you get more leverage by not playing them. Versus the amount of leverage you get if you play in the backflip. They become twice as owned in in your single entry contest. Makes it even easier to not play them, in my opinion. Like on DraftKings yesterday, I I played Vlad Guerrero as a one-off. I built I hand built three, I've held four lineups. I played no Blue Jays. Other than Vlad Guerrero's a one-off in the lineup that he called it called for him to be there. He's the best rejected guy, and he's that I needed first baseman in that lineup. Okay, there you go. Plug him in. Only because in the $88 medium eights, he was gonna be more owned. I mean, the blue jays were more owned in those contests. Not by a m- million percent, but enough so. That it makes it less and less positive expected value. Uh, Mitt Kumar, Pandev, what do you think about Nola versus Walker? I'd say to just look at the projections or whatever number is higher, that's the best play. There you go. Nola versus Walker. Are they on the slate today? Is that the early slate? Yeah, I think that's the early slate. Whatever the projections say. I don't even know why people even ask me. You have to get go get, get a projection model. Either get your own projections or whatever the, your projections say. There you go. There's the answer. Or you should subscribe. You could subscribe to Rotogrander's Premium. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. Get the, the plate IQ projections. Or you get the bat. That's extra. If you want to get the bat from uh, Derek Cardi, go pick that up. If you don't understand the concepts I'm talking about, feel free to pick up The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player. All these concepts are in there. So, I mean, I mean, I, you could go back and, and watch every pregame show I've ever done. I probably get pretty much everything that's in this course. If you want a one stop reference guide, 15 hours, structured like you're in a seminar teaching you step by step, there you go. You get that theory of DFS.com. It applies, to, it does not just MLB. It said this, this is why good DFS players are good in all the sports. All it is is solving math problems. That, that's, that's all this is solving math problems better than other people or exploiting other people's biases because they don't know. Oh, I'm not going to trust the math. I guarantee you, yesterday, like, I'm putting in Joe Ross into tons of lineups on FanDuel, knowing that people are not going to click his name. Why 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 am I playing Joe Ross? He sucks. It's like well, according to the, according to the back projections, he's he's only two points lower than Bueller. He's the second best pitcher on the slate. So yeah, okay. I'm gonna what am I supposed to do? Ignore the numbers. So I play the numbers, and there you go. Done. Easy. Theory of DFS.com. I'm always here to answer questions. A lot of newer questions today. A lot of le- I don't know. Did new people come out of the woodwork? I don't know. Sometimes we get regulars in here and it's like, okay. We're just talking about stuff, strategy and whatever. And sometimes uh, sometimes we get new people. Should I play this guy or that guy? I, I have no idea. Jenna Sandy says, I think I got it. There will be chalkier lineups and smaller field GPPs, which means I need to play lower owned stacks. Not necessarily. Smaller GPPs means you don't need to be nuts. You don't need to drop your projection 30 points. Like you don't need to, you don't have to beat so many people. So you don't, on a 13 game slate, are you, I'm going to play the lowest projected, t- probably not. In the smaller field GPP, it means the chalkier if, they, if the top stack that everyone's going to play is the Blue Jays and the next is the Astros and the next is whatever, you could probably play the third or fourth stack and not worry about ownership just just and play the two best pitchers even get a high projection in your lineup let's say the 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 top stack and that projected lineup is 150 and it's going to be x owned you could play a lineup with a 144 that's going to be probably because you're not playing you know the chalk blue jays the ownership is going to be like a third or, or a half of that, but you're only giving up like six points in projection to do that. You could you you could do that in single entry. You could you could end up giving up six points of projection and getting half and gaining half ownership in single entry because the ownership tends to get so condensed. You don't play the fifty percent owned pitcher right like today in single entry if you. You X out the, the, the whoever the chalk stack and Carlos Rodon, like just play the best projected lineup at that point. But you don't, doesn't mean go down and I'm going to play, I'm going to play the Orioles against, you know, Jacob deGrom or whatever, you know, something, you don't have to do that in a small field GPP. Like, so it's not a low owned stack. It's low owned in relation and still make sure the projection of your lineup is high enough. In a large field GPP, you could drop that projection even more. You could drop that projection 20 points, no problem as long as you're getting requisite ownership with it. But you have to be large field, you may have to beat 70,000 people, right? 50,000 entries, 1900 entries. You don't have to get nuts. DFS degenerate. How often are you to fade the chalk pitcher versus get different with the bats like today with Paddock and Rodon? However amount that I should, should do. You're still talking about pitchers. You're still talking about players. I don't care about players. Players don't matter. How often he, obviously pitchers have lower variance than hitters. I'm more likely to get different at bats than I will at pitcher. What lineups will have Carlos Rodon in it? That's the question you should be asking. Not whether or not you play him or not. What types of lineups is Carlos Rodon increases your projection while, while not give up any type of ownership? You probably are playing Carlos Rodon in really contrarian stacked lineups. It would be probably be stupid not to. So if you're going to play a 1% owned stack, like obviously the projections are going to go down down significantly in order. And if you don't play Rodon, you're going to be losing another nine points. That makes, so it makes sense. Then in those lineups, you play Rodon. That's why you have to think in terms of lineups and not players. I do not care about players players do not matter whatsoever in dfs lineups matter i could say this till i'm blue in the face but as i said before once you get it you understand why the questions are so stupid all these are our pieces all these are our numbers do i play ronald acuna it's like do i play a 13.8 median projected player that's uh they're 6300 on a certain team that, Well, it depends on the lineup. Obviously, if there's other Braves in the lineup, I'm more likely to play a minute, right? You press the button. I'm going to build a bunch of lineups. What do they look like? I don't care. I don't care what the individual players are. Most of the, most days on FanDuel, I play 150 lineups on FanDuel. Most days when some random guy hits a home run, I have to check to see how much I have. I literally have to, Schwarber hit that home run. Like I knew I I had a bunch of nationals So I knew that he was probably in a bunch of stacks. I didn't know if I had him in eight lineups or 22 lineups. I I literally had no idea. No clue whatsoever. I mean, that's a normal player. I'm talking about like a bottom of the order, some type of hitter, something like that. I literally, I don't know. When Guriel hit that grand slam, I literally had no clue how many lineups. I I knew he wasn't going to be in many. So I wasn't building many Blue Jays lineups. And is probably going to only be in stacked Blue Jays lineups. He ended up in three lineups. But I did not know that beforehand. It could have been zero. It could have been seven. No clue. All I'm doing is building lineups. I'm not choosing players. He fit in the lineups that he fit into. That's about it. Right? I played a ton of Dodgers. Yeah, they didn't do very well. They projected well for really seriously low ownership. So I was playing a lot of those types of lineups, but in those types of lineups, I don't mind playing Vlad. I don't mind playing Google. I don't mind playing the chalk. if They're going to be 4% owned. Jim Steele says, so you really just set your pool, set your exposures and run the lineups and see which have the better projections and ownership based on the contest you're entering. Yes, exactly. Bingo. So Jenna Sandy says, so I can play Rodin and Paddock if I stack Miami and Cincinnati. Yeah. Your whole, you have to think in terms of your whole lineup. What is the ownership sum of your lineup? If you, for the contest that you're playing, maybe if you run, we don't have the ownership up. Let's say you run what the chalky combination is going to be for the single, whatever single entry contest. And the ownership sum is 220, okay? Should you be playing a lineup that's 220 that has a lower projection? No, of course not. But you know it's going to be 220 and it's going to be projected for 150. Can you find a lineup that is nearly as high as projected, but even lower, way lower owned Then that's a better lineup. It's more likely that that chalk lineup is going to have the two chalk pitchers on DraftKings and the chalk stack, right. And the value hitter, if there's a $2,200 guy that projects for eight points, he's probably going to be a one-off. Like you could visualize what these lineups look like, what these chalky type lineups look like. And you just go, well, I could still play that chalky bats if I just get rid of the chalky pitcher, right? So if you want to get rid of Rodon and play someone else, okay, now you're removing his projection, inserting someone else's projection and dropping the ownership. But How much projection are you dropping from Rodon to someone else and how much ownership are you gaining by dropping the projection? Your project- if you're dropping the projection nine points and you're only giving up 10, 10 points and on 10% of ownership, that's probably not enough probably need more ownership discount. So yes, so if you play Rodon and Paddock and you play two off the board stacks, yeah, then sure, you could play the two chalky starting pitchers because your overall ownership of your lineup is still fine. Or you want to play the chalk stack? Well, don't play Rodon in that lineup. Your your lineup's too chalky, right? But you could do either one. Which one, that is what ends up happening. Which one do you do? So should I fade Rodon or should I fade the chalk stack? And my answer is that doesn't matter. Mathematically, just make lineups that are, just make plus EV lineups. Dario Rosenstock, I have a question about building unique lineups in MMA. Okay, because that's tomorrow. Uh, Do you have a sense of how much remaining salary corresponds to how much ownership product? That's, that's way hard to figure out. Because there are lineups that actually leave a bunch of salary on the table that actually look owned that have a high ownership product, but actually are less duplicated. Because you because you can play like the, the, the chalk underdogs. Like if you're gonna play like a 20, 30% don't underdog, but leave 2000 on the table, like a lot of times that, that isn't as duplicated as much, even though the ownership product is high. So it's a, it's a kind of a hard question to answer. But a chalkier lineup is probably less likely to be unique if it leaves some salary, like, right. Leaving salary on the table is a, is the best way of getting unique because people don't do it enough. Especially if you leave a lot of money on the table. I mean, a lot, like 2,000. But it depends on the type of slate. Obviously, the more underdogs that win big, the optimal lineup is going to have, is going to leave money on the table. probably A lot, right? Yeah, you have some 6,800 and $7,200 guys that put up 120 points. The guy that's 9,000 that puts up 95 ain't going to be in the optimal lineup anymore, right? I mean, like, The optimal lineup could easily just leave 1,500 on the table. So you treat yes, DJ, Doug, you treat MMA like it's a showdown. MMA, I'm just trying to build, I'm trying to build as unique lineups as possible. As unique as, and they do the same exact thing. What's the projection? What's the ownership? It's the same concepts. The same exact, you play every sport the same exact way. If you look, there's a reason that you take a look at the, Rg leaderboard. Oh, it's the same people that are good at like every sport. What do you think they know every sport? No, most of them don't even watch the damn sports. I don't. I don't want, I don't know if I've watched an NBA game this year at all. And I made plenty of money. When do I ever watch NBA? I don't. It's the most projectable sport. So I just do the math and throw a bunch of lineups and wait for the money to come. That's that's most of that's most of DFS. MMA build build. I'm gonna build a hundred unique lineups and, you know, see who's over and under own based on their inside the distance lines. And there you go, done. Crank them out and hope you bink once, you know, once a year. That's it. It's math. Would you understand that it's most, it's mostly, it's almost, it's all math? You'll see, it, it's it gets much simpler. And you, you see that most of the most of the stuff you look at is, is stupid. It's either already factored into the projections or it's just, you you succumb way too much to bias. Well, this guy is going to get a revenge game against who cares? In the grand scheme of things, in the long term, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. But it matters that you hit the thumbs up button, hit those thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs on your way out the door for Casual Friday. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got Grinders Live coming up later today. I'm on, yes, I'm on Grinders Live uh, with Dean at 5.30 today and uh, 5.30 Eastern. And 6.30 crunch time for premium members. So go sign up to Roto-Grinders Premium with the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And uh, and I'm always in the Discord. You could always ask questions there and stuff. So uh so yeah, so I'll I'll see you. I'll see you back on Monday. Been a little long episode. Tons of new new people here, some new questions. It was good. It was pretty good, right? Because so I'm here, I'm here for you guys every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.